You're listening to Local Government Insights, a podcast for state and local governments. If you're looking to optimize operations, improve services for your constituents, and maximize revenue without raising taxes, this podcast is for you. Let's get into the show. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Local Government Insights podcast, Modernizing Government Leadership, your source and insight for local government technology. Again, my name is Brennan Middleton, and I'll be your host today, and we're going to be speaking to Roger Murphy about how local governments can enhance security while working remotely. Our guest speaker today, as I mentioned, is Roger Murphy. Welcome. It's great to have you on the show. Thank you, Brennan. Glad to be here. For our listeners, Roger's the Director of Information Technology and Managed Services at Avenue Insights and Analytics. First, I'm super excited, Roger, to hear your thoughts around a lot of the questions that a lot of our listeners have been asking about amidst the pandemic specifically, like working remotely and, and further how they can enhance and maintain certain levels of security as, as working from home seems to be the new norm for many local agencies. Before we first dive in, Roger, could you just tell us a little more about yourself and you know explain your role at Avenue? Yes, thank you. I'm a senior executive. I have 30 years of experience in the technical delivery of secure, reliable, and integrated technology solutions. And for the past 15 years, I've focused on providing IT-managed solutions, IT outsourcing projects for local government. And in this arena, my experience includes managing the largest IT outsourcing contract to local government in the United States. And I also manage the global project management office for a large service provider. Additionally, I led the recovery of IT services last year for a U.S. city after a sophisticated ransomware attack. And that experience had a profound effect on me, and it gave me a deeper understanding of how an organization can best defend itself and prepare itself from any ransomware attack. Wonderful. So we're going to draw a lot, we're going to draw upon a lot of that experience today and some of the questions I have prepared for you, Roger. But so just just kick it off here. So in a rush to mobilize home workers in the wake of we all know the COVID-19 pandemic, lots of local government agencies honestly may have opened up security vulnerabilities that that could lead to various attacks with just the rush and the the severity of having to basically overcome work from home situations overnight. What I'd like to chat about first uh, is just kind of a few of the do's and don'ts. Like, how, how can state and local government employees in, protect their security while working remotely? But also, how can the organizations train their employees to be aware of these unique telework digital threats that are so apparent today? I think cybersecurity uh, should be top of mind for everyone right now. Uh, cyber threats continue to be a serious issue. Hackers and criminals see the crisis like this pandemic as an opportunity to gain access to data that they could not have accessed previously. I firmly believe that business in both the public and private sectors will not go back to the way it was after the pandemic passes. So remote work is the future in both the public and private sectors. And local governments protecting valuable citizen data should prioritize remote work security strategy. And there's three specific things that need to be addressed. One is addressing the existing policy so that you have effective at-home agreements with clear expectations for all employees. The overall architecture has to be addressed so that you have effective security measures in place. And then we have to address the day-to-day operations and how we keep the lights on. 
And within that area, you have to ask yourself some questions, right? Do you have the ability to monitor your environment? Do you know if you're even under an attack? Do you have the ability to stop that attack? You know, can you stop, remove, and clean an infected machine if, if that event happens? And then lastly, can you recover? You know, can I safely restore data or recover data? And that has to be foolproof because we've found that monitoring and stopping are not 100% assured. And in regards to educating our employees, one of the mo- that's one of the most important steps in securing the environment. Regular employee security awareness training uh, that reminds our employees how to recognize the signs of phishing. There's smishing now, which is you know threats through text. Uh, vishing is a term uh, some folks may not have heard of, where you get an automated phone call that says press you know one, two, or three, and there's some you know sophisticated attacks behind those methods. And then you know historically, our employees educated so that when they get email and they have links and or attachments, before they open them, you know, they make sure they're from a reliable source. And lastly, I think, you know, do we have a good password management strategy in place? And so these things that have historically been a challenge for us, I think with making the workforce either fully remote or remote ready, you know, have made them more important than ever. Awesome. Yeah, in my organization, they just rolled out that educational, you know, I guess, tutorial. And then there's a question and answer at the end and you have to pass the test. And there was a lot of the same words that you just you just referenced in that. So it, it was kind of an ongoing education. I, I presume that that will do on a regular basis. But it was it's funny that you mentioned that because a lot of those questions were were on that recent survey that I just uh, was required to take. But so. In a couple of our previous discussions, I heard you mention, and I think you just mentioned it also, that constituents, you know, the governments are doing their constituents kind of a disservice by viewing the current pandemic, even though we've got the vaccine coming, even though we're starting to distribute, as kind of a weighted out scenario. This isn't a weighted out scenario. The long-term effects are here, and they're going to be here for a long time. Like, what should local governments be doing to brace themselves and set up and design an infrastructure and a security strategy for that long-term, you know, remote operations, if you will? Well, I I think you have to accept the fact that work has forever changed, you know, the way we perform work. In addition, there were barriers, either real or artificial, where we said service to a citizen can only be delivered a certain way. (laughs) And that way, historically, was the citizen has to come into the office or you know, go to a department, counter, meet with somebody in person to get something done. And we know that we're able to deliver service virtually in an online experience. There are a lot of studies out there right now. There's a current Stanford study that shows 42% of Americans now work from home as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. What's interesting is when interviewed, 99% of folks say they want to stay working from home long term. So, you know, we have a work model where we've demonstrated we can deliver service to the citizens a different way, but also the folks that are working from home say, hey, I prefer to do it this way. Mm-hmm. So I believe we'll never go back to the way it was. So I think embracing that, we have to, to go forward saying our workforce is going to be remote or remote ready. And that becomes the new norm when we look at IT strategy and how we build our architecture and how we build services for our citizens. Great. 
Yeah. So, and you discussed delivery of government services. You know, it's it's been a, obviously it's been it's sh- the shift is from physical to virtual in many different regards, and that's it's somewhat permanent and will be remaining that way for some time to go. So we've seen lots of the private sector, hundreds of companies this year have come out and said, we're committing to a long-term work-from-home strategy into the into perpetuity, essentially. But also we're starting to see the public sector do that as well. So how can local governments, you know, they're, they're, they're specifically tasked with, first and foremost, protecting valuable citizen data. There's just so much data that they're capturing. And we've talked about the cameras on the lights and, you know, moving through the city and the instant notifications. And, you know, so... My question is, how, how should local governments across the country, large and small and medium, how do they prioritize these types of work, work remote security strategies? Like, what do they focus on first and how do they, uh, you know, approach this? Well, I think there's another constraint or, or a, a catalyst, mm-hmm. uh, which is 5G, right? And smart cities and some of the other benefits that 5G will be. We know with the deployment of sensors and, and you know, 5G is going to connect everything everywhere, that we'll be collecting massive amounts of data beyond what we have today. Mm-hmm. So having a data strategy, you know, what you collect, how you use that data, who you share that data with, and then how long you keep it, those are four very important questions that local government leaders need to ask themselves and answer. The other key thing is, it goes back to a point we just previously discussed, which is around employee education, right? We have to be better at educating our employees around cybersecurity risk. And, you know, there are numerous examples out there of businesses that have been negatively impacted by cybersecurity issues. We need to talk with our employees about those events, how it decreases productivity, how there's lost work, how they themselves may be placed at risk, but most importantly, how we put our citizens at risk if personal and confidential information is not protected going forward. That really begins with talking with our employees about cybersecurity policy and procedures of the organization, and we need to get everybody to care about it. You know, I think if you ask folks, hey, you know, what's type of mind for you today? Cybersecurity may not be the answer, and somehow we've got to move folks into the new paradigm and say, you know what, if you're working from home, you need to be especially cautious about how you're doing your job. You need to follow the policies that we have in place because at the end of the day, if you don't, a breach could occur and it could substantially harm not only our ability to deliver service, but the trust and confidence of the citizens. Yeah, I think it's so important that just getting employees to buy in, you know, you don't think it's going to happen until it happens to you. And getting them to buy in, pro- proactively buying in, I think, is one of the largest hurdles to just preventing and educating. And if you can get them to buy into the education of it through osmosis over time, they will start to adopt those types of you know strategies on you know combating these types of risk. So, and, and I would add, I, I I think you know the best way forward to make that happen, to make that cultural change happen, is to make cybersecurity measurable. Right. Mm-hmm. Set up specific cybersecurity goals, whether it's around training or whether it's around your policy or your architecture. Uh, come up with the indicators and metrics for those. Put those in place, you know, and keep that in front of the workforce. Love it. Love it. Make it measurable. What you can't measure, yeah, that's right. Can't be held accountable for. 
So last question, Roger, and we'll wrap up for today. This one's around aging workforce. And aging workforce is, is so common today in government. I know we're all aware of that. What do you think is the best way for state and local governments to manage its aging workforce that's now adjusting to remote work, whereas they had never done that before, and really all of the technological challenges that need to be considered when you're talking about moving an aging workforce into a remote situation? That's a good question. What's interesting to me, and and I do fall into this category, is, you know, according to recent surveys, the older workforce, we're doing much better than the younger, you know, our younger counterparts. I love it. I have a CIO I met with the other day. He reminded me of that. He said, you know, you don't have children at home anymore like I do. And, well, and, and what's interesting is, is right now one of the statistics that's out there is seven out of ten people have more stress and anxiety at work this year than any other previous year. And, you know, it's according to some global research. And four out of ten people say they're battling everyday workplace stressors like the pressure to meet, you know, different standards, the ability to work down a different way. And it's particularly the case for people working from home where they're alongside other relatives, right, or roommates, mm -hmm. right. where you have a lot of folks who didn't have a set-aside area at their, at their home to work from. So uh, they're also helping their kids with online schooling. You know, they're navigating those challenges as well. And even after months of working from home, it's still problematic for people to draw the boundaries between work life and home life. And in fact, 41% say there's no longer a distinction between personal and professional life. Wow. So, so, I, so I think one of the things we've got to address is really a non-technology problem, right? Which is how do we put some boundaries in place for folks to say, you know, here is a healthy way to work from home. Right. I think for those of us throughout our careers that have had times when we've worked at home and then when we've been in the office, you know, you do find yourself at home. You, know, you look up and you're like, hey, it's seven o'clock at night. How'd that happen? Yeah. So it's little things like that that mean a lot from a quality of life perspective where we need to say, you know what, you need to be diligent about the hours you work. You need to be diligent about the manner in which you are working. And you need to put a box around it to say this is work and this is home and separate them. And I think the best way for us to do that really is, is to be fair and responsible to the workforce mm -hmm. and to be kind, you know, as employers. I mean, we need to talk with them to understand their individual situations. I know they're all different. Right. We need to work with them on the best work model and schedule for them. And I think we've all seen over the course of this year that most organizations have maintained their productivity during the pandemic. So accommodating our staff during this time, it's not only possible, I firmly believe it's just the right thing to do. Couldn't, could not agree more. And I've, I've even experienced my own challenges of getting those work calls into the 8, eight 9 p.m. just because everybody knows that everybody's at home still. No one's traveling. No one's checking right. out. Mentally, you really don't check out. And it becomes difficult to really turn it off, if you will. And then also holding my own self accountable for not making those calls or making those emails outbound to folks that I work with directly or indirectly into those same hours as well. So I find myself receiving it, but also giving it. And I have to, you know, step back and say, should I really send this or should I really be on proactively at 8 p.m. at night? And it's okay every now and then, but like 
yeah. consistently and I'm, I'm tasking other people. So I'm being the, you know, the, the provider, not the receiver in that case. So I've also had to take a step and, and check my own self, but also you made a great point there. Just the empathy portion, just being empathetic to people's situations and how they're all different and they're all dealing with different things, whether it's an elderly relative in the home or whether it's a young relative in the home, a middle age, they all have different situations that they're dealing with and just being empathetic to whatever situation that may be, but also holding you know everyone accountable that you know productivity can't fall either at the same time. I would encourage everybody out there to have what I call a kitchen table discussion. <laughs> right? Sit sit down with the folks that you care about and you know that they care about you and just reach a healthy agreement, right? And say, here's the way this will work and put those agreements in place and it might be, you know, between these hours there are no phone calls or like you said, and we might have an exception, but make that part of the agreement, right? That if there is an exception, here's how that'll work. Right. Right. And I think we'll all be better if we take that step. I, I can just speak for me. I know it's worked, worked good in my house. That's great. Well, Roger, I can't thank you enough for doing this. Thank you for keeping our local government safe and for sharing some great tips. Any other takeaways that you'd like to just summarize for our listeners today before we wrap up on any of the points that we addressed today, just as a takeaway? I would encourage everybody to keep cybersecurity you know, top of mind. You can Google you know, different search criteria, you know, number of threats, number of hacks per day. You know, we look at one of my favorite statistics is if you use Gmail, uh, Google stops 100 million spam messages a day. Wow. Wow, it's a staggering number. But there's all kinds of good data out there that'll immediately show you the the vast amount of threat that's out there. And and I think, you know, if if you see that there are a lot of a lot of threats out there, I think it'll help you with your, you know, approach to work and, you know, how you take this serious or or, you know, whether you need to do things different. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, again, I'd like to thank you all for listening. Thank you guys for tuning in to each and every episode. Please stay tuned for more local government news and insights to come on the Local Government Insights podcast. Uh, We look forward to seeing you soon. Thanks so much. You've been listening to Local Government Insights, modernizing government leadership. To ensure you never miss an episode, please subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you use Apple Podcasts, we'd love for you to give us a quick rating for the show. Just tap the number of stars that you think the podcast deserves. Until next time.